of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor I don't know, it seems like I have to mention it every week, but this bumper, out of all of the bumpers that we've had in the last, you know, couple series, just really seems to put me into the presence of God for some reason. I just, it, I, I kind of find it hard to get up and, and really start. It just, it just makes me think about the Lord, and, and then, you know, I kind of get all reminiscent when I hear Sarah Desenfance's voice in the background of that, because I remember 20 years ago, taking her home from youth group when she was in the sixth grade. And uh, th- that's sort of been my life here in the last week or two. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a birthday on November 17th, and, uh, and then I, Sarah and I celebrated our anniversary last week on uh, uh, December 18th, and it was our 20th anniversary. And, and as I've done that, um, sorted through some old pictures. I mean, we have youth group pictures from 19 years ago and posted some of those on online and have seen people, you know, looking at them and making comments about them. And, and you know, then, then this last week I, I got out our wedding album. I mean, how often do you get out your wedding album and look through it, right? Um, it's been years since, in fact, my wife didn't even know exactly where it was. When, when I asked where it was, and I found it, and I scanned some of those pictures in and put them up on Facebook, and, and, and I, I, man, I, I didn't realize I got married when I was 14 years old. <laughs> you know, I look back at all of those pictures, and I'm just going, wow, life has changed a lot. And, and you know, I, I just think about the experience of life, and, and we all experience life, and we all go through changes, and, and essentially that's what we're looking at as we go through the Christmas story, is, is we're looking at actual historical events that happened one day in the past, and we look at where we are in reference to those today in the present, and, and as I look at those in reference to my life, it is amazing what God has done in my own life. I mean, I, I think... I think back of year five in our marriage when, when we weren't really getting along that well and we were struggling through some things in our marriage. And, and you know, we did counseling in that period of time. And, and, and I see now where we are at today and, and I couldn't be happier in my marriage. And, and, and it hasn't always been that way. But I think about what God has done in my life. And there will be other things that come in the future. There will be hard things. I'm sure there will be grief that we have to experience because of losing someone in our family. But, but as I think about life as a whole, and I see what's happened in my life since I became a Christ follower, a child of God, it's just amazing as I reflect on that. And, and essentially that's what we're doing in this Christmas series is we're, we're reflecting on events of the past and we're looking at what God is doing in, 
in the present. And, and a couple weeks ago, we, we saw that after 400 years of silence, God spoke. God was, was actively acting in the events of history. When, when the angel Gabriel appeared before Zechariah and said, Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a child. And you're going to name him John. And we saw the response to that. Zechariah, at first, he, he essentially laughed. He said, do you know how old my wife is? You know, there's no way this is going to happen. And, and then, six months later, the same angel Gabriel comes with yet another message to a, another much younger lady, Mary. And, and, and she gets this message that, that her son wasn't going to prepare the way for the Messiah as Elizabeth's son is going to, but her son is the Messiah. And, and can you imagine, as we looked last week, of getting that news? And, and how life-changing it was for Mary. A virgin, unmarried, and she's now going to be found to be pregnant. Of, of no choice of her own. God said, this is what's going to happen. And, and we looked at the, some of the struggle with just the real life things that, that that did. But then we saw Mary's response to this message that God brought her. And it's in verse 38 of Luke chapter 2. And if you would turn to Luke chapter 2, we're going to continue on as we, as we go through this. Luke chapter 2, verse 38. This was Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. No complaints. There was a simple question, well, how, how is this going to happen since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her question. And this is her response. May it be to me as you have said. No complaining about the bad position that she's now going to be in for a period of time in her life. Just a pregnant, unwed servant girl. And she remembers and she knows and is reminded by the angel that nothing, nothing is impossible with God. And this morning, we have yet another angel sighting. Um, the miraculous. Jesus saving the world. It continues to unfold in the circumstances, in the events of actual history. But before we go on, I want to I tell you a little story. Once upon a time, there was a shepherd tending his sheep on the edge of a country road, and a, and a, a Cadillac Escalade screeches to a halt next to him. The driver, a young man dressed in a really expensive suit and a really exp I would tell you the names of these things, but I don't even know the company, so I'm, not that you wouldn't, because I wouldn't, but a really fancy suit, really fancy shoes, expensive sunglasses, uh, uh, an amazing wristwatch, a, a tie that I'm, I suppose cost him four or $500. Um, he gets out and he, he, he goes to the shepherd and he says, um, young man, if I can guess how many sheep you have, will you give me one of them? And the shepherd looks at, at, at this man and he looks at the sprawling field of sheep and he says, sure. So the young man parks his SUV, connects his notebook and his wireless modem and he enters a NASA site and he scans the ground using Google and all of that and he opens a database with 60 Excel tables filled with algorithms and uh, he prints a 150-page report on his high-tech mini printer, of course. He then turns to the shepherd and he says, you have exactly 1,586 sheep here. The shepherd answers, that's correct. You can have one of my sheep. So the young man takes one of the animals and he puts it in the back of his car. Um, and the shepherd looks at him and asks, now, I, if I can guess your profession, will you pay me back in kind? 
And the young man answers, well, sure, of course I would do that. So the, the shepherd says, you are a consultant. Exactly, the young man says, how did you know? Very simple answered the shepherd. First of all, you came here without being called. Second, you charged me a fee for tell, to tell me something that I already knew. And third, you don't understand anything about my business. And I'd really like to have my dog back. Now, God is not a consultant, although we treat Him this way sometimes. He comes at just the right time. Not too soon, not too late, but always on time, although we don't often think of it that way. His salvation is free, at least for us. It's a gift. And He knows everything about our business. I mean everything. He knows us. Glory to God in the highest. He knows us. Now, before we get to the shepherds, the event of Jesus' birth actually occurs in the timeline that we're following. So I want to look at that for just a, a brief moment. Mary, in fact, gives birth just as the angel said that she would. And the baby, we know, was conceived by a miracle. And in the timeline, this is six months after Elizabeth conceives. Mary then conceives. As a virgin, Mary conceives. The supernatural at work. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is arriving. And quite the ride of life lies in front of Mary and Joseph. In fact, it, quite the ride lies in front of Jesus, not to mention from, from that day forward, all those who would call themselves Christ's followers. The sun comes up, the sun goes down. Days of life transpire and God is at work. And then a short time before Mary is to give birth, another miracle happens. A miracle that, that you may not recognize often in this story of Jesus coming. You see, the prophecy says that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. So Caesar happens to call for a census. And this is a miraculous thing. Look at there, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. You see, this miracle that God does here he uses the government to do it. Now, all of you who think that nothing good can come from the government, what I need to remind you of this morning is that even the government is under the hand of God. God used the government to accomplish what He wanted to, use, to do on the planet Earth. Nothing is impossible with God. And, and what He accomplishes, I think, is simply... Amazing. Caesar calls for a census to be taken. And for years, maybe you've read some of this, skeptics have pointed to this passage, these two verses right here, and said, look, Luke screwed up. He got the details wrong. The Bible is inaccurate because Quirinius wasn't, couldn't have been governor when Jesus was born because Quirinius was governor in A.D. 6. And we know that Jesus was born before A.D. 6. But there's been some recent evidence 
Oftentimes when there are skeptics and the, the information, as I look at it, the archaeology doesn't quite line up, in my opinion, all we need to do is wait. Well, from the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry, we find this, and this is what they say. It is known that Quirinius was, was made governor of Syria by Augustus in AD 6. That we know. That's true. That's what, we've always known that. Archaeologist Sir William Ramsey discovered several inscriptions that indicated that Quirinius was governor of Syria on two different occasions. The first time several years prior to this AD 6 date. So he was, in fact, governor of Syria. And additionally, while supplying the background behind these events, archaeologists also assist us in establishing several facts. The first one is this, that a taxation census was a fairly common procedure in the Roman world. They had, they'd carried on these censuses, censuses, since I, what, whatever you would call that, um, they, they did this often, and it did occur in Judea in particular. And for what reason would they do a census? Um, and how would they do a census? We, how do we do it? We get a piece of paper in the mail, right? And we fill it out and we put it in the... Well, they didn't have a very... Well, actually, their mail system was a lot like our system. It just wasn't reliable. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Um, they didn't have mail. They didn't have an easy way to do a census. So what they did were, was, number two, persons were required to return to their home city in order to fulfill the requirements of the process. So when the government took a census, the only way they, they could tell if you're still alive and where you live is if you went to your city of origin and reported in. And that's what they did. And the third thing we know that they, that they tell is that these procedures were apparently employed during the reign of Augustus. And he was reigning from 37 B.C. to A.D. 14, which is well within the time frame of Christ's birth. So we see the historical facts, the, the events on a timeline lining up to where some would say Luke's inaccurate to where we find out that Luke isn't inaccurate. He knows exactly what he's talking about because it happened just this way. So we continue in Luke chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So we find that the birthplace of Jesus is Bethlehem. Now, it was quite a trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I jumped on my computer this week and... I entered it into, I went Nazareth, Israel to Bethlehem. And, and the route that it actually gave me was a, around 100, and, well it was, it was 102 miles. From Nazareth, which is in the northern part of Israel, to Bethlehem, was just, which is just south, almost a suburb of, of Jerusalem itself. And so this wasn't a speedy trip. You've got a probably, I mostly pregnant woman, I mean a woman that's almost due to deliver, and her soon-to-be husband traveling almost a hundred miles so that Joseph can report in his city. But they made it. And, and then we see in Matthew chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, which we're going to talk about more extensively next week as we look at the, the Magi, um, it's up here on the screen. When he, meaning King Herod, 
had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. See, these pagan kings, these magi from the east, show up on the doorstep and say, hey, we're, we're here looking for the king of Israel. And Herod's thinking to himself, uh, I thought I was the king of Israel, right? Um, so he, he's, he's kind of uh, got something to prove or, or he's, he's looking for information. And so he starts digging and he asks his priests and his teachers of the law, and in verse 5, they reply, In Bethlehem in Judea is where it, it, the prophet has written this. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And I'm sure that, that Herod keyed in on a few, of the, a few of those words, like ruler and shepherd and my people Israel. Because he's thinking these are my people. And again, we're not going to get into the rest of the details of that. We're going to look at that next week. But, but what they quote, these priests, what they quote is Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And the book of Micah, which was written between 735 and 700 B.C. Over 700 years ago, this was written. And this is what Micah says, But you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, though you are small among the class of Jude, clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. You see, there was prophecy 700 years ago that this Messiah, this Savior that's going to come, is going to be born in Bethlehem. And as we saw a couple weeks ago, if you're the child being born, you can't make that happen in the place that you want to be happen, where you want it to happen, right? We were all born wherever our parents had us at the moment. We didn't get to choose that. And some people would say, well, all these prophecies that were, were said about Jesus, he, he, you know, like when he says, I did this so that this prophecy might be fulfilled, okay? Um, this has been done so that. Well, he just... He knew them, he read them all, and he was just doing them, right? Well, here's some that he can't just do himself. Unless, of course, he's God. And that's exactly what happened. Well, let's continue in Luke 6. Look at verse, verse 6. While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So Jesus was conceived by a miracle. God used the government to accomplish His will, what He was doing and wanted to do. And Jesus was, in fact, born in Bethlehem. And it goes on, verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And there were shepherds. Now, a few observations about shepherds. Okay? You know, the shepherds that we know in our day are pretty modern people. Not so the shepherds in this day. These shepherds of this time were lower class, uneducated. Um, you know, people really didn't hang out with shepherds much. They spent a lot of time around sheep. And you know what happens when you spend a lot of time around sheep, right? You start smelling like sheep. I'm sure they didn't notice it. 
But I'm sure the people that were around them certainly did, and that probably went towards how they were treated. They spent their time herding, doctoring, moving their sheep to grass. And then at night, they would put them together in one place and they would watch over them. Essentially, they, they would sleep with their sheep. And so that's, that's the whole situation that's going on here. Lower class. Um, one author I read said that they were weak and mean as well. Now, if, if you were walking down the street, a breeze was coming at your face, and a couple blocks up there was a shepherd, you would know that there's a shepherd coming. I mean, you know people like that. I know people like that. And, 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 and sometimes we really want to avoid people like that. We would just rather not hang around them or spend time with them. Yet these men, these shepherds, are the ones that receive the supernatural message that the Creator of the universe, God Himself, has come into the world. The shepherds. The shepherds. They were nobodies in their culture. They got the message. They received the news, which has caused me to ask this question all week long, and it's, 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 it's the title of the message. Why shepherds? Why shepherds? You know, Luke doesn't ever say. Luke doesn't say, well, this is why God had the message go to the shepherds first. None of the Gospels say it. We don't find an answer to that question other than having made some observations and, and drawing some conclusions, which is what I'm going to do here this morning. Why not... Why not the housewives club? Right? Why not the king and his court? Why not important people with this grand message of a Savior coming? Why not the religious leaders of the day? I mean, they're looking for this, right? They're, they're supposed to be expecting it. They know... I mean, even the, even the guys that are sitting under Herod know the prophecy. Why doesn't Jesus go to them? Why, why doesn't the first message of this come to them? Why, why does it come to shepherds? Well, again, drawing from the facts and drawing some conclusions and some speculation on my own part, um, I've, I've got one, two, three, four, just four quick things here. First of all, the shepherds were available. They were available. You know, remember, the city is... is it's a wreck. I mean, it looks, like, it, it looks like the Olympics are in town. I mean, it, the city is full of people. And, and all of the merchants and, and all of the folks who have extra rooms in their homes to put people up, they're all just busy running here and running there, making sure people have food, making sure they're taken care of, etc., etc., etc. Kind of sounds like the last two weeks of people in the holiday of Christmas, doesn't it? Running to this party and that party and getting this gift and that gift and cooking this food and that food. Now, I'm not knocking traditions or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, God didn't go to all of those people maybe because they weren't available. They wouldn't have heard the message. They were too busy doing their own thing. A good reminder for us. I, uh, similar to the first one, I think the shepherds were accessible. 
You know, if you want to do a big light show, you're not going to do it in town where there's a bunch of commotion and a bunch of, of torches and stuff, right? You're going to do it out in a place where it's dark. And let me tell you what, the, the response of the shepherds, they were terrified. This was one doozy of a light show. Can you imagine being out in the meadow, minding your own business, taking care of your sheep? It's probably quiet. Maybe the stars are out. Maybe they're not. Maybe it's a full moon. Maybe it's not. And all of a sudden, this angel appears. I mean, and, and we're talking bright light here. I would be freaked out as well. They were accessible. They were out in the meadows. The, the third thing, the third conclusion that I've come to is this. God wanted to make sure to communicate that salvation is for all people. It's for all people. God, God started at the very bottom to show that that's the way it is. He knew elite people would try to keep the message for themselves, maybe. You know, hey, we've got this and you don't. Ha, 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 ha. We're going to hold on to this. We're better than you. You couldn't find many folks worse than the shepherds and they're the ones that, that this message came to. It's time for us to realize that salvation is for everyone. You know, and, and one other thing. The, the shepherds were well aware of their need for a Savior. They knew they didn't have it together. They lived life in the midst of that. And maybe that's you here this morning. Life's, life's been at your door and, and things have been tense and things have been hard and You've been trying to do it all along on your own, yet just not getting anywhere. The shepherds were well aware of their need for a Savior. Others, not so much the religious leaders of the day, they thought salvation was in their own hands. That it was done by their own works. But we know that's not true. So, where are you in regards to these thoughts? Where are you in regards to how available you are for the message of Christ. How, where are you as far as being accessible? Where are you in your mindset that salvation is truly for everyone? Everyone that you meet. Everyone that you know. It's for everyone. Not just the well-off. Not just the well-behaved. Not the, just the well-shaved or the well-bathed. Salvation is for everyone. It's for everyone. Luke goes on in verse 10, But the angel said to them, What are the four words? <laughs> Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly... A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. Amazing. Amazing. The best message, the best show in the world, and it comes to shepherds in a meadow. Well, 
The message that they received then was this. It was a miraculous one. They said in the town of David, just like the prophecy say, a Savior, a Rescuer. Our Rescuer. He is Christ, the angel said, which is the long-awaited Messiah. It's the Anointed One. He is Christ the Lord. He is the Anointed One who is in control of all things, past and future. The One who owns all things and has them in His control. The One of all has been born. He has arrived. He's on your planet. And the angels say, you can know that we are telling you the truth because you will find Him in a certain place wearing a certain thing. This is how you will find Him. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. This is the message. The message. And we have received it as well. We have received this message. Many times we have received this message. And, and the question becomes, what is your response to this message? What is your response to the message that the Son of God, the Messiah, the Rescuer has come to save the world? Well, my prayer is that our response would be similar to the shepherd's response. Look at verse 15 and 16. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, I, I wonder what that would have looked like when they disappeared. I wonder if they just sort of, you know, faded off into the distance. If they just, you know, the, the light that they were showing just kind of went to nothing. I just... I don't know, I am curious about details like that. I wonder, but, but again, they, they disappeared. And then it says that the shepherds said to one another, Ah, not that big of a deal. We'll go check it out in a few days. No, that's not what they said. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. It's they know, the, they know the Lord. I mean, obviously, they've been confronted with supernatural beings. And they don't waste any time. You see, they hurried off. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. They hurried off. I wonder how many of us, maybe even some of us in this very room, who have been confronted with the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus came... He lived the perfect life that He died and that He rose again as the children sang to us earlier. I wonder how many of us have heard that message and maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, here we go on this message again and we find excuses not to believe it or not to act upon it. You know, we, we, we say things like, well, you know, maybe it's not true. Well, we're finding and we're seeing in history and archaeology that it is true. And, and maybe you say, well, yeah, okay, right, but, but you know, I'm, I'm just kind of living life my own way and I'll, I'll believe this someday. Because we know that if, if we believe this and, and we lay our life down at the feet of Jesus, that, we, that our life ceases to be ours and it becomes His and we are His servant. 
just as Mary said. But we find it, we, we, we say those excuses, I'll just do it another day. Yet we have people killed in car crashes every day. Do they know they're going to have a car crash that day? Do they know that their life is going to end that day? Do any of us know when our life is going to end? No, we don't. There is no better day than today. It is an important message to respond to. And the shepherds responded. They hurried off. They went. There was no, no discussion. And then, and then, after they found Him, it says that they spread the word. Verse 17, when they had seen Him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They had an incredible message. They were the first ones. They got the proclamation. They hear ye, hear ye from the angels of heaven. And they hurried off. And after they saw what the angel said was there and to be, they couldn't keep it inside. They told everyone. They told the waiters and waitresses in the downtown you know, cafes. They, they, they told the guy at the feed store when they went in to, to get some feed, extra feed for the sheep. They told everybody that they could think of. And, and it says right here that all who heard this message that the shepherds are getting were amazed. Now, that causes me to ask a question. Why were they amazed? Were they amazed because the shepherds had this story? Or were they amazed at the story? Maybe both. You know how it is when something happens to you that is really good, right? You, you come across the latest and greatest tool or, or the latest and greatest YouTube video, right? Those, that's a good example right there. You just let it go by, right? You don't repost it or anything. You don't, you don't pass on the word. You don't even click like. But it's the best video you've seen in a week. What do we do? We tell people. In, in fact, you know, there's, there's things... We went through a financial class and, and, and it was really, really good. Challenging, yes. Hard, yes. Extremely hard, in fact. But I found myself so excited about the process that we were learning about that I would tell, every, I would tell anybody. I mean, the guy at the lumber yard, I told him. Now, I know him, actually, so it wasn't this random drive-by sharing about a financial class, but um, we do that, don't we? Something happens in our life that's really good, and we want to tell people about it. There is no better thing that could happen to you or I than to be saved by the God of the universe. To, to have eternal life, which isn't an eternal life that comes one day, but starts the day that we receive Christ. The day that He comes into our life, our eternal life begins then. And, and 20 years, 30 years, 40 years down the road, we look back at our life, as I've been doing, and when we take the time to do that and we reflect on that, we can see how amazing our God is and, and how He's changed us. I, am, I, I not only don't look like I did 20 years ago, I don't think like I did 20 years ago. I don't feel like I did 20 years ago. 
I don't react like I did 20 years ago. And I'd love to take credit for that, but that's not me. That's Jesus Christ in me. He came. He, he really came. And the shepherds got to hear it for the first time. Which brings us to the final response of the shepherds. Verse 19, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Their final response is what? They worshipped. They worshipped. What was Zachariah's final response? Even after nine months of having his mouth shut by God, he worshipped. What was Mary's response? She worshipped. Right here in verse 19, it says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Oh, the pondering that she was doing. She knew. You know, there's that song, Mary, Did You Know? It's an easy answer. It's a great song. Yes! She was told. She knew. And now she's holding him. The shepherds glorified God. They praised God. They responded to His works in and around their lives with worship. Let's do the same. Let's take the time. Don't get so wrapped up in the activity of the season and let's remember for why it is we celebrated in the first place. And as we celebrate Jesus' birth this week, let's not forget to remember that He grew up. The kids did a great job of reminding us that in their last song. Jesus grew up. He sacrificed His life for us. So beyond our Christmas celebrations, let's not leave Jesus in the manger. Let's humble ourselves before Him as our Lord. Let's bow in His presence. Let's see Him grown up and let's allow Him to grow us up. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You. Praise Your wonderful name. God of all things, Thank you for this message that you have given us this morning. And Lord, I pray that that we would not turn from anyone as we seek to proclaim the good news of, of you. May we tell your story. May we tell our story as you have changed us. And oh Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today who is not believed, I pray that that this would be the day that they would proclaim, that they would profess with their mouth that You are Lord, that they would believe in Your heart that You came and died and rose again, that they would be saved. Oh Lord, may may this be a Christmas time of reflection like none other that we've ever had before. And may we, as Mary did, ponder these things in our hearts. And as the ships did, hurry off and tell. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, as we close the service uh, this morning, the ushers are going to come forward.